Dateline, a long time ago, galaxy far, far away. The clone armies of the Republic are spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Hey everybody, welcome to the 27th episode of Frontline's The Clone Wars Podcast. I am your co-host Matt, the Crankster Cranky, and I'm joined, as always, by the creator of Frontline's and your host, Michael Arkwolf Cohen. What's going on, Mike? <laughs> You're going to throw in my uh, <laughs> my screen name there? you got to put the screen name in. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're on the internet, so we're not, we're not real people. We're just internet people. <laughs> we're just, hey. You gotta have you gotta have the call sign, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be my call sign if we were uh, if we were in the Star Wars universe and we were in a fighter squadron. Some, I would some be type our of fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that, either that, or oh, because in the in the New Jedi Order, I think that at some at one point the uh, when Jaina becomes an X-wing pilot, it's Twin Sun Squadron is the one that she's in, right? Like after Tatooine, like as in the twin. two sons of Tatooine, yeah. <laughs> so I would be twin son 16 because 16 is my lucky number. Is it really? That's a, that's a Canadian thing. That's uh, that's Trevor Linden of the Vancouver Canucks, the greatest Canuck ever to put on the jersey. Wow. That's the hockey That's the hockey view. There for, you go. For those of you who are either not from North America, so you don't watch the NHL, or those of you who do not care about hockey, of which I'm sure there are more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trevor Linden's number sixteen. I used to play hockey when I was uh, when I was younger. So, so that would be my call sign if I had to go with an in in universe thing. But yeah, well, yours sounds a little cooler than the crankster. I don't know, it <laughs> sounds like I'm a deadbeat or something. <laughs> like you. Like you, uh, you're the type of guy that that doesn't leave a tip. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, here he comes, not him again. Yeah. <laughs> Either yeah. that or a Batman villain of some sort. Hey, you know? <laughs> it is the next Batman. There we go. Yeah, somebody should call Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, number three. I'm, I'm available. Good. It's good. We're we're a couple minutes in, and we have not even talked about Star Wars yet. Is that <laughs> going to be a theme for this week, or? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Oh, I feel so sorry for whoever's listening to this right now because <laughs> I am just not feeling it because I did not enjoy Senate Spy. I mean, I watched it. it. It's not like it was bad, but it was not good. It was not engaging in the least. Like, it was it, it was one of the least entertaining storylines that they've done. I think the only one that I found less entertaining was that whole blue shadow virus thing like those two episodes right i didn't really like other than when they went to iego to get the root that was really cool but other than that and and some of the characters on iego were really cool but but that's the stuff that actually went went on naboo was just so boring i find padme to be a really uninteresting character yeah i didn't like and and i think that it's just like who have you got to compare to? You've got her, got Princess Leia, Princess Leia you, to you compare can't to. Compare to that. Yeah, and it's like I'm sorry, but Leia was kicking butt and taking names, not making motions in the freaking Senate. I mean, she was, but we never we saw that, that. No. in movies. But in in this, it's like that's all we ever see is her going, 
I would rather solve this without conflict if we can do that. And it's like, you know what? It's called Star Wars, not Star Let's All Sit Down and Have a Chat. <laughs> what happened to aggressive negotiations? Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you. Well, we're going to get into that in a few minutes. Uh, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we got we actually have a couple of news items. And then we have not really uh, collecting news, but more of a – and it's not even really Clone Wars related. It might be in the future, but it's more of a debate that we have to talk about that is broiling in the Star Wars fan universe at the moment. So let's yeah. get into the news first. So yeah. what have we got first? Well, the first thing uh, last week I saw a post – and it was from digtriad.com. And uh, there's a story coming out of L.A., the Associated Press, apparently, that uh, we're not really that close to Star Wars in 3D. Now, uh, there's some quotes from Lucas where he says uh, his people have been working on it for years, and they're not yet there yet, and uh, nobody else is. And until, some, until you know, somebody figures out exactly how to do it for it, for a reasonable price, that it's not going to happen. Now, mm. I don't know. You know, it's weird. There's a lot of 3D stuff coming out right now. You know yeah. what? There is, but it's not that good. I it's, mean, I just right, saw right. I just saw Toy Story one and two, like the double feature in 3D. Oh yeah, that's right. And and although like some of the stuff that's in 3D looks good, and maybe this is just me because I wear glasses. So maybe it's the fact that I wear glasses and then I have to wear the 3D glasses over them. So maybe it doesn't quite work for me the way it's supposed to. But I find that when you have like a close depth of field where stuff's not really very far away from one another, it's not that big of a deal. You can tell that it's 3D, but there's no like it, it doesn't have any of that weird overlap look to it. But if something's in a really long depth of field and there's a really big difference, you can see where it's supposed to make the image match up, but it doesn't quite work. Yeah. So, I mean... For that to be an issue at all, I think is reason enough for George Lucas to be hesitant because obviously he doesn't want to do this unless it's going to be perfect, like yeah, unless it's yeah. going to be the best that it can possibly be. So I think that that's probably where he's coming from when he says that they've been working on it and it's just not there yet. I don't think that he means like it's too difficult to do it to Star Wars. I think what he means is that the technology just isn't where he is comfortable with it being in order to release these in order for it to be worth it. Cause I think well, like for him, he wants it to be a different experience right. and he doesn't want that experience to be anything less than, than as good it's as it can good. be. Right. Cause I mean, you know, if he puts out, I mean, if that guy sneezes in a tissue, people are there to criticize <laughs> it. So yes, I understand his, imagine, his hesitancy because yeah. if he's going to do this, he it's, like, let's say, okay, so Avatar is coming out later this year. And by Avatar, I mean the James Cameron movie, yeah. not the M. Night Shyamalan Avatar The Last Airbender movie. Right. So just so that everybody's clear. Yeah. And Avatar is supposed to be groundbreaking 3D. Yeah. Not just, like, the special effects as in, like, it's got amazing CG, but also that the movie will be presented in, in digital 3D. So... It's supposed to be amazing, but I, I like I doubt that it's going to be that great. Right. Well, yeah. that's what I was wondering. Is when I first read this article, I thought at first I thought no, it's it's got to be closer than that. But then, like you said, a lot of the stuff that's coming out in three D is still probably not yeah. where he wants it. Yeah, and and, uh, and so that makes sense. 
Yeah. And James Cameron will put out Avatar, and it'll because it's it's James Cameron tends to have be looked at in a bit of a better light because he's not he hasn't to to his fans I guess done anything you know crazy. It's not like he it's not like he went back and did Terminator Three and people didn't like it. Somebody else directed Terminator Three, right. so all you can fault him for is letting somebody else direct Terminator Three, right? Yeah. So. So he doesn't really get the flack that 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 uh, George Lucas or even Steven Spielberg does. Which, if if they were to go and do something 3D, it would have to be absolutely perfect, or otherwise people. I mean, even still, people will find something to complain oh, about. Always find something, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, James Cameron can do this, and and they can do it with the Pixar movies and stuff, and people will go, "Oh, that's cool. That's a neat. It's new experience. Let's go to the movie theater." And that's the whole point is to get people back in movie theaters and not downloading stuff and and uh, waiting for DVD and that sort of thing. So, like, that that stuff will all go over well. But if George Lucas was to put out Star Wars in 3D with the current state of digital 3D, people would be all over him saying, how come it's not perfect? How come it's not perfect? Because people just love to bash Star Wars, right? Yeah. They love to take it down a peg. So. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's fine if it's not there yet. Yeah, that's great. I'm with him. I'm with him. Don't give an excuse, you know? Right. Like, don't give people a reason to to get upset and nobody can get upset. It's like, let's keep putting out Clone Wars and let's focus on the live action series. And nobody has anything bad to say about Clone Wars. There was a little bit of criticism in the beginning, but man, as, as this season continues to go on, even with a with an episode like Senate Spy that I don't personally like, I can't say that it's a poorly made episode. That's the right. thing. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's a little bit boring. I think that it's not that interesting. Right. And I don't really care for Padme that much. But, you know, like, it, it's not like it was bad. It's not like it was poorly made or you can fault any one person. It's just I'm not a Padme fan. So yeah. that's all there is to it, right? But, like, oh. with the first season, there was stuff to complain about. But now there's not. So keep putting out Clone Wars and get people, yeah, get people sort of off the fence or like you know back onto our side of the fence. <laughs> I yeah. guess. Well, maybe they'll maybe they're working on the Blu-rays right now. Hopefully, and and 3D will be sometime down the line when it's ready. So uh, we'll see what happens. But that's fine. I'm I'm good with that. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready for the Blu-ray though. So let's let's get that out. Let's keep. Working. Yeah, me too. That's the only thing that that's frustrating about. You know how long it took them to get Star Wars on DVD? I mean, oh, holy mackerel. How long did we wait for that thing? And I think, wasn't episode one the first one that actually came out? I mean, the Star Wars DVDs didn't even come out until, was it 04? That, that yeah, 04. It was 04. Yeah. yeah, so, I don't know. It seems like a lot with Star Wars, we seem to wait on the on Lucas and, and the whole Lucasfilm to jump up to that next age, you know? So, yeah. We'll see. Um, in other news, and this is probably not a big surprise, um, the Clone Wars has, has seen double-digit gains in pretty much all the uh, kids' demos. And this came. This is a story that came off of, um, I think it's a, uh, a, a Nielsen site. It's tvbythenumbers.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, they're talking about 50% and up changes in 
in viewing. So I was, I'm kind of more interested in to see what the percentages of adults at, or maybe let's say 15 and up, which they didn't yeah. have anything on that. Um, hmm. It was all based, I guess, because they're trying to market it as a kid show, but there was no um, stats as far as like 15 and up. And I would, I would kind of be interested, interested to see, um, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of numbers are in that area. But they didn't well, really have anything, so. I know listening to other podcasts and going to other news sites and stuff that other TV critics, people who previously would have been like the detractors and people who skipped season one are going back and watching season one or waiting for the Blu-ray slash DVD release in November to go back and watch the stuff because season two is like blowing them away. They, they will see like the first or second episode of season two and just be like, oh man, I got to go back and watch the rest of the show because if any of it's as good as this, it'll be worth it, you know? Right. So, so I would guarantee that the adult demos are also uh, moving up, probably not as much as the kids because, I mean, you have that first year where everybody sort of starts watching it right. and, th- and now all their friends are watching it too because everybody goes back to school and says to their friends, you know, oh, Star Wars is the greatest and all that sort of thing. And then they get other people into it. So, I mean, I feel like Star Wars is something that, that only ever builds on itself. It never really gets smaller. I don't know any Star Wars fans who stop being Star Wars fans. I know people who like movies who stop thinking that the Star Wars movies are good movies or whatever because of the prequels. Yeah. But I don't know any real Star Wars fans that stop being Star Wars fans. We only ever gain fans. I don't think we lose fans. Very yeah, often. no. So, so yeah. I feel like the numbers can only go up, you know? Yeah, I know. I definitely, um, I don't know. I, it's hard. You know, I think uh, as far as out, out around here in the States, um, I don't know. It's like kids are so like my kids, man. They're I can't get them off the uh, Xbox. I mean, my five year old watches it with me for the most mm-hmm. part, but uh, the older two, um, I mean, they'll catch it once in a while, but it's not something that they rush to. Um, mm-hmm. when I put it on, and it's because you know that Call of Duty Modern Warfare, man. I can't get them off that. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like to see what's going on with the uh, with the older crowd because this is kind of it's kind of going towards that that realm as far as storytelling goes. So, but uh, like you said, I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty of I listened to th- a couple other podcasts and they talk about the Clone Wars TV series. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure it's a big crowd too. So, let's see what do we got in the collecting news department. Okay, so I was just reading this before we started recording uh, over at uh, theforce.net, and uh, and I'd seen something about it, I think maybe on Twitter or something like that. People seem to be up in arms about this. But the Fate of the Jedi paperbacks are, are starting to come out, and uh, Fate of the Jedi is the, the latest series uh, in the Star Wars continuity. So it's, it's uh, let's see, post... Post uh, New Jedi Order, post Legacy of the Force, that was the last one, right. Legacy of the Force, and now it's Fate of the Jedi. Um, and previously, like uh, with with Legacy of the Force, they did they would do 
one hardcover and then one paperback and then one hardcover and then one paperback. And before the second paper or like before that paperback would come out, the the paperback version of the hardcover would come out. And uh, and I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure with Fate of the Jedi that they're putting them all out in hardcovers and then releasing them all in paperback as they go right. sort of thing. And so the first set of paperbacks are coming out and apparently they're going to be in a premium format, Ooh. which all that really means is that they're yeah. a little bit wider and a little bit taller, which makes a me fancy think... Word, huh? Yeah, it makes me think that they're really just going to do what they've done with with the Clone Wars novels that they've been putting out, like the, not not the novels that were put out between Episode Two and Episode Three, that were part of the Clone Wars era, but the actual Clone Wars, like Star Wars: The Clone Wars series mm-hmm. uh, of books. Because um, I've got I've got my copy of Wild Space right here, and uh, and on the back it says that it was selling for American fifteen dollars and Canadian seventeen. And they're saying that these new Fate of the Jedi paperbacks are going to be sold for nine ninety nine, which I don't know. How much do you generally pay for a paperback right now? Uh, anywhere from from six ninety nine to uh, nine ninety nine. So okay, I mean it's so not it's, like out. It's not like outrageous. I mean, I guess it depends on the book, you know. Um, yeah, I think people are just upset because they were six ninety nine or right. seven ninety nine. For Star Wars books, yeah, six. Nine. Yeah. Now, for me, this is not an issue um, for you guys to be concerned about. I don't think just going up to nine ninety nine, not that big of a deal, in my opinion. Because personally, I've been paying more than twelve dollars for paperback books for like the last four or five years. So nine ninety nine would be nice. Like if I could get a Star Wars paperback for nine ninety nine, that would be awesome. Yeah, but the Canadian, and it's not even a matter of exchange. It's a matter of them just pricing them higher up here, yeah. because they'll say six ninety nine or seven ninety nine for you guys, but then they'll be like twelve dollars up here. They'll be almost double. It's oh, yeah. uh, it's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, oftentimes they'll be eleven ninety nine or ten ninety nine. Um, so nine ninety nine is not that big of a deal in my opinion. Like ten bucks for a paperback book is. That's a steal in Canada. So, oh. I mean, that probably means that they're going to be a little bit closer to 14 or $15 here. So that means, like, they, if they go up down there, they'll go up up here as well. But, yeah. um, but I don't know. How do you feel about how do you feel about them changing the format of the books? Well, for a premium format, what what is it that they're changing? It's the size and just the size. You know what? I bet you anything that they're now. I'm going to get into my technical work terms. Because uh, I'm a graphic designer for my day job, right? Uh-huh. And uh, and I deal with print all the time, and and more than likely, I bet you anything they'll be going with a what's called a silk aqueous uh, coating oh, on uh, on the cover. So what that is, a lot of books are doing it now, and it's that sort of it's a matte finish, and it's kind of it's got that really soft velvety feel to it, like uh-huh. that really really fine velvet feel to the to the cover. Right. So I'll bet you anything that they're planning on releasing them like that. And that's one of the reasons why they're going to call it a premium format. Now, technically this does up the cost of printing, right. but on the, at the numbers that, that Del Rey is printing star Wars books. I really don't think 
it's not that it's going to affect their bottom line very much. I mean, they're going to pay an extra hundred dollars per million books printed, you know, which that's nothing. That's nothing because it works out to be like pennies a pennies a book pretty much. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, a couple a couple more dollars, you know, it's it's not going to make me say no. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. you know, if they went up twice, that's a little different. But we're only talking a couple of dollars here, so I don't think yeah. it's a big deal. Um, and maybe is that is that coating on the book? Is that supposed to help it as far as fraying or bending and all that kind of thing, or is it? Uh, it tends to be more tear resistant than regular stuff, but not by a lot. I mean, you can get you can you can get special coatings uh, that will make something tear resistant or nearly tear proof uh, if you print it on the right kind of material. But I highly doubt they're going with something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not an issue for me. You know, a lot of a lot of books I've been doing lately have been audiobooks as well. So yeah, and audiobooks are are a whole other thing because I mean, you'll pay forty dollars for an audiobook. So right. yeah. Unless you get them from Audible.com, but we're, they're not a sponsor, so, so I'm we not going to. Yeah, we can't plug. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to give them a plug. Everybody, yeah. every other podcast you listen to will plug Audible.com, and they're getting cash on the back end for that. So yeah. So I'm going to tell you not to go to Audible.com <laughs> until they sponsor us. Until they sponsor us, that's it right there. Yeah, and don't go to Netflix either. Screw Netflix. Yeah. Heck no. No. Especially considering Netflix doesn't have a Canadian service yet. Oh man, I tell you, I am so it's hard to Canada. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not even like I'm really all that Canadian. I mean, I'm in Vancouver. Yeah. I I am three hours from the border. You know, like I'm I'm three and a half yeah. hours from from uh, Bellingham, which is like the pretty much the nearest city mm-hmm. uh, in the states, and uh, I don't think that's very far. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're very American here. Just a stone's throw away, right there. Okay, so it looks like we're getting into the weekly recap um, of. Sunday I guess so. July. I guess so. <laughs> Don't sound so uh, enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will be happy when we're done dealing with Senate Spine. We can go into to the next episode because the next episode looks cool. But okay. uh, but I guess we'll get into this. I, I will start us off. Okay. With uh, Senate Spy. Here we go. After a long absence, Anakin Skywalker is warmly greeted by Padme Amidala at her Skyrise apartment on Coruscant. Anakin has just hitched a ride on a cargo freighter and brought back warm dinner. It is a special occasion tonight when the secretly wed couple are able to spend time together. Anyway, the freighter captain was bringing a shipment to a restaurant here, and he gave me something to bring home. We just have to... What? You called this home. What else would I call it? The Naboo ambassador gave me something. I think I still have it here somewhere. Must be something good. It is. It'll be perfect. Five blossom bread. My specialty. You have a specialty? I know how to make lots of things. When I was little, I cooked every day. I've been saving it for a special occasion. An evening alone with you? I can't think of an occasion more special. You didn't cringe at that scene, did you? Sorry? You didn't cringe when you heard that, did you? Like you- no, no, no. <laughs> it, you know, I, it, it, I, 
Uh, I think there's a little bit of a lag when you play the audio. Just uh, just a little bit. Pull back the curtain a little bit. <laughs> for my, It's not like I was sitting here like falling asleep or anything like that. <laughs> I, I think there's a little bit of lag when you play the, when you play the audio. Well, it might yeah. have started like right in the middle of a sentence. So, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, here we get to see uh, basically a almost sort of like a day off. Actually, Anakin's kind of ducking uh, Obi Wan right now, but you know he's at home, quote home, as as uh, Padme refers to it. And we kind of get uh, a little sense of Attack of the Clones and Return of the Sith um, as far as their interaction and their talking. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was as um, cheesy as maybe Episode Two. Uh, no, you know what? This would this this is this scene is going to be the only thing I'm probably going to uh, to compliment them on. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of their names. Matt Lanter and uh, and Catherine, Catherine Tabor are doing a much better job of playing a couple than Natalie Portman and uh, and Hayden Christensen ever did. Yeah. They have much more chemistry. And that's just their voices. Yeah, and then, is, yeah, so I agree. And then, I mean, it's really quite sad that the performances of computer animated characters, voiced by a sound alike and someone who wasn't even intended to sound similar right. to the actor, are better than the actual <laughs> like actors who originally portrayed these characters. But I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's one person's opinion, I guess. Yeah, no, I I, I think the same thing. I mean. Um, not once did uh, during that did I kind of like give a wince or anything like oh that didn't sound yeah. too good so yeah I mean it, it kind of it was alright you know you kind of get to see what's going on um, behind the scenes sort of and um, you know Jedi are not supposed to have attachments but you know Anakin's got a wife he's got a home um, everything he's yeah. probably not supposed to have so um, we'll get into the, the next line here at the Jedi Temple the council discusses a disturbing matter. The intergalactic banking clan has shrewdly avoided direct connection to the separatists, but the Jedi suspect the financial institution to be in league just the same. Investigating Senator Rush Clovis, the banking delegation could provide the Jedi the proof they need to expose the treachery. But already Senator Amadala has refused their entreaty to spy on her colleague. The Jedi are unwilling to take no as an answer. Mace Windu and Yoda ask Obi-Wan Kenobi to summon Anakin, but Kenobi has had difficulty reaching his former apprentice. Anakin has been attempting to ignore them all night, but ultimately feels that duty calls. Padme is disappointed and does not appreciate Anakin's hasty lecture about putting duty first in times of war. So um, Anakin talks about his duty first line he gives to uh, Padme. So we're going to see in a little bit how she's going to throw that back on him. Um, yeah. She wants something. Um, so I just wanted to make note of that when we, uh, for a little bit later in the, in the uh, rundown. Yeah. Back at the Jedi Temple, Mace, Obi-Wan, and Yoda examine surveillance footage of Rush Clovis, a young human senator meeting with the Trade Federation senatorial representative, Lot Dodd. Anakin arrives at the briefing. Mace explains that they need Senator Amidala to spy on Clovis. To send a Jedi would only raise Clovis's guard. Anakin is increasingly hesitant, particularly when he learns that Clovis and Amidala were close friends during their early years in the Senate. Yoda implores Anakin to get Amidala to agree to this. Sorry I'm late. 
What's going on? We believe Senator Clovis is conspiring with the Separatists. We need to find out what he's planning. Do you want me to interrogate him, Master? No. Treat Senator Clovis as a criminal. We should not. The slightest misstep could cause a major incident. You feel if we provoke him, we'll never find out what he's up to? Exactly. We need someone who's not a Jedi to get close to him for us. Someone he won't suspect. If not a Jedi, who? A fellow Senator. Selected Senator Amidala, we have. You want her to spy on Clovis? I don't think that's a good idea. There has to be someone else who's more qualified for this. We chose Senator Amidala because she and Clovis entered the Senate in the same year. They served on the same committees. They were... good friends. I didn't know that. Personal matters for the Senator, these are. Know them, why would you? It's just that I wouldn't expect Senator Amidala to have a friend in the banking clan. Master Yoda has already asked her to spy on Clovis for us. And she refused. Trust you, she does, Skywalker. That is why I convince her you must. Yes, Master. So we find out why uh, the council has chosen Padme and, and uh, you know, mm. previous relationship with Clovis. And uh, they're going to use the old time-honored tradition of sending in the, the flame to uh, get some information, you know. And, uh, yeah. So Yoda is basically asking Anakin, hey, you need to convince her uh, to do this for us because they've already tried to get her to do it. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So um, that kind of sets up uh, how they get Padme to do it or how they're going to get Padme um, or Anakin to get Padme to, to, to do it. So, And there was another interesting scene there where Obi-Wan has this little smirk. I don't know if you remember that. He kind of smiles or something when... Anakin talks about uh, when Anakin's kind of asking about Padme and, and he hears Mace talk about previous relationships. You kind of see us from, yeah. uh, from Obi-Wan. I was trying to figure out what he was, you know, does he know what's going on? And he kind of like, oh, I wonder what Anakin's going to think about this, you know. He's got to have some kind of feeling. That, you know, I, I, I get the feeling that Obi-Wan has always known that there was something going on. I don't think that he ever realized how far it went and just how out of control the situation was. Um, But the two of them are best friends. And I mean, at the end of episode two, they're still in that that sort of uh, adoptive father and son relationship, right? right? Um, And then they become like brothers. So... So how could he not know? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, of of course he has an idea that something's that Anakin has an attachment to Padme, but Maybe not at the level of it's at. Yeah, I think that I think that that Obi Wan doesn't see it as a dangerous thing; that he just sees it as an infatuation, right. but not not anything that goes any further than that. Just that. Just that Anakin cares for, but not that he's ever acted on any of it. I mean, the, if you if you think about it, the characters have been through a lot together. How could they not have some sort of personal relationship? So for for Mace and Yoda to say, "Why would you know anything about her personal life?" They they don't understand just how much the two of those characters have been through. But Obi Wan understands. Like oh, yeah. he, he, I mean, he knows from episode two 
uh, how how deeply uh, Anakin's feelings run uh, and the connection that he has. So, because yeah. I mean, in, they're in the elevator and and he tells him to calm down. Yeah, that's what I was going to reference. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there's something going on there, but but I don't think that Obi Wan thinks that it's like I, I think that Obi Wan is is surprised to to realize that they're married and that they have a child like in that Padme is pregnant and that it's Anakin's kid. Um, but no one has to tell him no, like he doesn't have to find out. He figures it out with his intuition using the force in episode three. So, yeah, you know, he had to have some, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. So nice little, uh, kind of nod there. I was kind of like trying to figure out, you know, does he know, or like you said, maybe he just, he knows that, Anakin really likes Padme, and he just doesn't know how far yet. But uh, yeah. he kind of smiles like, oh, Anakin's getting a little jealous. So not bad there. So I um, guess we'll go on here. Is that, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Uh, Anakin catches up with Padme in the hallways of the Galactic Senate building. Despite her words, she is still upset at Anakin and his requests on behalf of the Jedi Council are of little help for her mood. She reiterates her refusal to spy on a colleague and old friend. Anakin's jealous reaction to her friendship with Clovis only sparks Padme's temper. Padme is surprised to learn that Clovis may have any connection to the Separatists, a fact Yoda failed to mention during his entreaties to her. This changes her mind on the matter, but Anakin disagrees with the Council's decision to use Padme like this. He refuses to see her put in danger, and she is irked by his overprotective streak. She accepts the mission over Anakin's protestations, quoting his original line that duty comes first in wartime. Never expected that from him. Someone has to find out the truth. Someone does. Just not you. Why not me? Because it's going to be dangerous. Whoever takes this mission will be putting their life at risk. I've been in many tough situations before. It never seemed to bother you. I never stopped you from facing danger. You're constantly getting shot at. I've been trained for that. It's very different from spying on a traitor. You mean I can't handle the mission? (sighs) I mean, I'm not going to let you do it. You're not going to let me? It's not your decision to make. It's mine. Lucky for us, you've already decided to refuse. Actually, I just changed my mind. You've convinced me that it's vital to learn what Clovis is doing. I accept the mission to spy on him. Even though I'm telling you not to. Don't take it personally, Anakin. Duty comes first. Especially in wartime. So there we get to see Padme throw the line right back at Anakin about duty comes first. And you got two Yeah. You got two strong willed, you know, type A type, you know, headstrong personalities going at it right here. And um Anakin's telling Padme about uh, the plot to spy on Clovis. Uh, now, is that part of... This is what I was trying to figure out. Was that Anakin trying to to get her to, to agree to it, like his way of getting her to, to go ahead and do it, or was he genuinely did not want her to do it? Uh, I don't think he wanted her to do it. I think that he what really he was trying to, to do was to say... Like, in his mind, I don't think that, that him saying that that it was dangerous was going to, to make her want to do it. 
or expressing the da- the actual danger inherent. I mean, yeah. um, I don't know how. Of course, she's gonna reject Yoda because if Yoda just comes up and says, "Hey, so um, we want you to spy on this person," and she's like, "Why?" and they're like, "Oh, no reason, no reason. Uh, can you just can you do that and then um, tell us what you see?" Uh, and and so. What's she going to say? She, oh, yeah, sure. I'll spy on this old friend because you're a Jedi and you're asking me to. It's like, no, no, of course she's not going to. It's not until she finds out that Clovis could be working for the Separatists that she realizes that there's something worth spying on. You know, and and then Anakin telling her that it's dangerous and that she shouldn't be doing it just spurs her, right? Like, that just... Yeah. That just makes her go, well, you know what? I'll show you, you know. It's that, uh, I'm probably going to get flack for this, but it's that, that, that's the very female approach to it. You right. know, uh, he's just trying to keep her out of trouble, and she's just trying to get, get into trouble. trouble. Yeah. So, yeah. um, no, yeah. I first saw that. The first thing I thought was, um, you know, he was trying to protect her, and then I thought, well, you know, the council wanted Anakin to try to convince her, so was that his way of convincing her? to go ahead and spy on him was to say, no, I don't want you to do it. Um, it's too dangerous. And then he, cause he knows she's going to say, you know what? No, it's not too dangerous. I can handle it. You know? Um, so I, I don't, I don't understand why they came to Anakin. That's my uh-huh. thing. I, I like, although I did mention before they, that they have that previous relationship. Uh, I think that that's something that Obi-Wan should have approached her about. I don't think that Anakin's the type. Right that should be going to people and asking them to do things like this. Like Anakin is like a blunt instrument. He's a weapon. And, and I think that that's the way that the Jedi look at him during the clone wars. I think that's the way Mace definitely looks at him, but Mace looks at him as a dangerous Dangerous weapon that, that could fall into the wrong hands. So although, you know, like, like uh, if they've got a very difficult objective that they need to breach, the 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 council is quick to send Obi Wan and Anakin in as a duo because Obi Wan will find the logical, reasonable answer if there is one, and if there isn't, Anakin will cut through any sort of defense possible. So I don't think that Anakin's the right guy to be calling up and saying, "Hey, can you go uh, convince Padme to do this?" Because yeah. how's Anakin going to do it? He's not. He's not. He yeah, yeah, he's just gonna he's just gonna walk in and go, you should do this because it's your duty. You know that would be, as far as they know, that's why he would that's how he would talk to her. And I don't think that that would work on Padme. You know, but Obi Wan would use some sort of leverage or some sort of sentimentality to try and convince her to do yeah. it. So I just I feel like like that that one part of the story was really contrived that they just kind of wanted to put the two of them together in this situation but that nobody really thought is Anakin the type of person that they would do this get to do this he's just a knight he's not a jedi master he's just a jedi knight like you don't have to be a, a master to be on the council there are other jedi masters uh, other than council members so there are lots of jedi that would come before Anakin for this assignment. Right. Well, he doesn't become a master until what that middle of episode three, right? Um, yeah. Until the chancellor makes them well, and he doesn't even become a master 
they they tell him that he can sit on the council, but that oh, he, he doesn't. He's get not assigned to the master. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, he never gets it. Technically, yeah. he never becomes a Jedi master. So I don't. Know, I my, I have a I have a whole issue with this to begin with because the Jedi have the ability to disguise themselves. It's not like. I mean, maybe if Obi-Wan or Anakin was to try and trail Clovis, he would know who they are because he's seen them on hollow vids or whatever, yeah. but, or, or Mace or any of the other higher profile Jedi. But I'm sure that there's a Jedi master somewhere that's like a bookkeeper or there are Jedi that specifically do this sort of thing that follow people or tag people, you know, and like shadow and all that sort of thing in order to get information. I mean, there has yeah. to be. Why? Why would they need to go outside of the Jedi Order to accomplish something like this? So, the whole—I guess that—that's probably the heart of it. This whole episode feels very contrived. It was—it was written for these situations for Anakin and uh, and Padme, and for me, that's not a good enough reason to do an episode. Yeah. All right. um, inside the Jedi Council chamber, Padme lays out her strategy for spying on Clovis. First, she must reinitiate contact. It's been some time since they last were in touch. Anakin is unsettled to learn that Padme and Clovis had a romantic relationship. She ended it years ago, returning them to the status of professional colleagues, something that Clovis did not take well. Still, Padme is confident he can regain his trust. Anakin will serve as bodyguard for this assignment. So, real quick, you just mentioned that, you know, why couldn't they have somebody pose as a bodyguard or whatever. And here they got Anakin as a bodyguard and Clovis doesn't recognize him. Well, we'll get to well, that. Well, that's, that, that, that's just it, yeah. you know. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, at the dining commons within the Senate building, Padme and Clovis enjoy a late dinner. Rush is about to head to Cato Nemoidia to collect some outstanding dues from the Trade Federation. Padme offers to help and she agrees to accompany Clovis in the hopes of using her diplomatic contacts to sway the Nemoidians. Clovis hopes that traveling with Padme will be even better than it was in the past. In their past. The next day, the senators board a gleaming Naboo star skiff. Anakin, dressed as a Naboo pilot, assists Captain Typho, C-3PO, and R2-D2 in ship preparations. Anakin barely contains his jealousy while trying to play the role of an imperial, impartial pilot. To prevent Clovis from sitting right next to Padme, Anakin sir. Surreptitiously breaks the harness of the adjacent seat, forcing Clovis to sit apart. When Clovis moves to close to too close to Padme for Anakin's liking, Skywalker twists his ship through a maneuver to shake the amorous senator away. So we get a little bit of you know, a little bit of comedy effect here where Anakin um, sees the two in the back and he kinda throws the ship around to to knock him away, yeah. and he breaks the chair as he as he comes in. Which I think, you know, if, if anybody else was in that situation, we'd probably do the same thing. So I didn't really have too big <laughs> totally. of an issue with that. Um, no, you know, they kind of tried to throw a little bit of uh, humor in there, and it was fine. I didn't, you know, didn't didn't bother me. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, I, I thought like like you know, for the story that they're telling, that this is where it was going to go. You know, with Anakin being jealous, um, I think I think it's odd, and it's a little bit out of character for him to be able to handle that jealousy so well. Because 
he doesn't even he doesn't even have reason to believe that Padme has betrayed him in episode three. And once he's fallen to the dark side, he just snaps. Like oh, he no. the second that he sees Obi Wan, he's like, The two of you are working together to try and kill me. That's what's going on. And now I'm gonna kill the both of you. You know, and like that's that's how his mind works because he's a severely, severely troubled person. And I don't think that that comes across in this series and that Anakin, Anakin from the films and Anakin from the Clone Wars are two different characters, Uh, particularly like, cause they're written differently. And then also because they're played by different actors, Uh, Hayden Christensen, I feel played him with a lot of issues and and as someone who is trying to overcompensate for those issues, because I mean the the guy throws hissy fits constantly, <laughs> and yeah. we've never seen that. We haven't seen a single inkling of that in the Clone Wars. In the Clone Wars, he's even been put in situations like in in uh, last week's episode in Children of the Force, where Mace and Obi Wan are promoting his negative behavior. But he's not taking advantage of it, right? Like, they're they're going, okay, we're going to force our way into Cad Bane's mind. And, and you know, like, it's pretty malevolent what they do. I, I think that they're really, really on the line. Not, yeah, they're getting close. Whether yeah. or not that's light side, right, yeah, you know? Definitely. And I would almost guarantee that Anakin was not <laughs> on the line, that he was over the line in order to pull that off. You know, that's probably why they had success because Mason Obi-Wan are playing the role of intimidation, but they probably weren't following through on it, but Anakin's going to follow. Yeah, he was through. ready to do it again. You know? yeah. yeah. But, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like we don't really get to see that come to full effect. And I think that that's probably because we have another three seasons for that. To yeah. Happen. I'm sure it's going to be a slow, so. slow turn or a slow process. So, but I, I just I don't see any of any of that troubled past of Anakin's popping yeah. up, and and it really should be because just I mean, a little bit. This, he's he's killed the 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 Tuscans, right? right? Oh, yeah. he, that that's happened. So he is a step towards the dark side, and he's not he's not as good as as everybody makes him out to be, you know. So yeah. I don't know, but. But I guess we'll see as the series goes on if that, that comes out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, before long, the skip arrives at the gilded bridge cities of Cato and Neboidia. The joint Nabu CPO delegation is greeted by Senator Lot Dodd, who is surprised to see Amidala, but nonetheless welcomes her to the grand hall of his palace. While servant droids escort Padme to her room, Clovis meets with Dodd in the library. Senator Amidala, an unexpected privilege. Senator Dodd, please forgive me for arriving unannounced. Oh, no. Always a pleasure to see you, my dear. I hope you and I can make a fresh start. I came here with the very same hope. I believe in second chances. So do I, Senator. So do I. So we get introduced to Lot Dodd, who uh, represents the Trade Federation in the Senate. And we see Cato mm-hmm. Nemoidia, uh, which apparently is still part of the Republic. Um, 
I'm still trying to wrap my head around all this. Um, apparently, according to Dave Filoni, um, the uh, the uh, La Da is basically still with the Republic, but he's kind of working both sides. Yeah. So yeah. I think, is that what you got out of that? As far as, as just, yeah, I mean, I, I also listened to the uh, the, the what commentary, the commentary yeah. or whatever behind the scenes, and. Uh, Dave Filoni does talk about how the Trade Federation and the Commerce Guild and the Banking Clan um, and the Techno Union are all they're all still members like because the the thing with those uh, and, and this is this is George Lucas writing in his his political viewpoints and his allegory into the into the story um, they're corporations they're not they're not countries they're not uh, nationalities they're they're businesses but it works just the same and i mean i'm sure that a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear this but i hate to tell you but microsoft (laughs) and uh enron and i mean you know i'm sure that there are other corporations i can't think of any off the top of my head right now like any other bigger corporations but um I mean, AOL Time Warner, which is the corporation that produces the Clone right. Wars. These these are corporations that are so large and have so many people under their umbrella that they work the same way that a nation does. They don't have the same rights as a nation, but they have the same influence. So that's what we're seeing here is... Because it's not a a nation because it is a company the republic can't really do much about it they're not they're representatives from like he's got they have a representative in the senate but that doesn't mean that like that uh that that representative is necessarily the same as a senator like like right right Right. they're uh it's sort of like uh uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the word. I can't think of it right now. Like this is, this is one of the reasons why I don't think that this episode is very interesting because it gets way too into it's the too politics into it, yeah. of of a galaxy that doesn't exist, which I don't think that we need to know <laughs> to this degree. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so maybe I'll cut myself off okay. there because I well, could go we'll, on. It, we'll, we'll read a couple lines and then we'll get into we'll get into it a little bit more. So um, uh, you can go ahead. Uh, they discuss a new investment by the banking clan into the separatist war effort for the creation of a new droid factory. Dodd is delighted by the prospect of war profits, but is fearful that of the senator uh, that Clovis has brought with him. The Geonosian weapons manufacturer, Poggle the Lesser, emerges from the shadows. The two aliens try to negotiate a greater stake of the profits, but Clovis doesn't bulge. The Nemoidians are far too indebted to the banking clan in this venture to begin haggling. Now, this this is straight from the Star like the StarWars.com website, and I don't think that it goes into enough detail on this specific thing. Uh, Poggle the Lesser comes out, but uh, Padme isn't there at the time. She doesn't she doesn't see this just yet, so she doesn't realize that that the two of them are working together. Right. But anyway, so just to just to clarify for anybody who might be confused. Uh, the cons- conspirators cut their conversation short as Padme approaches, apparently wandering the library. 
Clovis escorts Padme out, leaving Dodd and Poggle to fume silently. Dodd notices the obvious affection Clovis has, has for Amidala and sees an opportunity to force Clovis to comply with their wishes. If they could threaten the new, if they could threaten the Naboo senator. This investment by the banking clan will create unimaginable new war profits. The largest droid factory ever built. As long as the Republic doesn't find out, you should never have brought a member of the Senate here. I agree, Lord Poggle. For all the risks we're taking, we should be getting a greater share of the profits. Suggesting we change the terms of our agreement. No, a deal is a deal. I'd hate for something to happen to you. You forget yourself, Clovis. You cannot threaten me on my own planet. This is hardly your planet anymore. Not since you signed your holdings over to the banking clan in return for a stake in this new droid foundry. We have company. The hologram. How do you think I feel? I hate the thought of answering to Clovis. But perhaps we won't have to. Now that we've finally found his weakness, what if we were to poison Senator Amidala? I think Clovis would do anything to save her, and only we would have the antidote. So we kind of talked about this a, a few minutes ago, but we see uh, we finally get to find out what's going on as far as Dodd selling arms to... Uh, to both sides of the war, you know, the Trade Federation, the Commerce Guild, yeah. the Banking Clan, um, which we we saw those in the Attack of the Clones, uh, they're all profiting um, basically from both sides. So, and if you haven't figured it out yet, we kind of get that Clovis is in fact a traitor. So. Um, yeah. But here's the thing: it's not that it's not that Clovis is a traitor in the ideological sense he's not a traitor to the republic because he doesn't believe in the republic he's a traitor because it's an opportunity for the banking to make, clan money. To make yeah. more money and as a representative of the banking clan that's that's, that's what, what he does right. that's his job so this like uh, i'm gonna say again like this is this is a little bit like too inside baseball <laughs> for most right, people yeah. you know what i mean like, like people especially kids are probably watching this episode not really understanding what's going on to, to all degrees. There needs to be a clear-cut good guy right. and bad guy for young kids to to sort of catch it. I mean, you can have a character like Boba Fett who plays both sides, and they can think that he's cool but that he's also a bad guy. But there's got to be a clear enemy, and in this episode there is no clear enemy unless you already know that the separatists are like that the trade federation and the separatists are in league with right. the Sith. That's that's the only reason why we have this perspective that these guys are the bad guys. If we were coming into this with no knowledge of Star Wars whatsoever, or someone who has watched Star Wars but not paid a lot of attention, like my girlfriend, <laughs> uh, she she'd watch this episode okay. and go, "I don't understand. Why do they need to spy on them?" Like, what's what's so bad about the Trade Federation? It's like, well, the Trade Federation are the ones who have been trying to kill Padme throughout all three movies. Well, I guess the first two movies mostly. But, I mean, still, in the third movie, uh, 
what's his face? Uh, who's the Nemoidian from? Well, from we the have first let's one? see. Um, of course, Lightbot and uh, I know. So you put him on the spot like that, and um, yeah, I can't remember his name. But you guys, you guys know who we're talking about. I, uh, you know, like they, they, we know that they're evil because of the stuff that they've done, and because of the associations that they hold, right? Because because of the fact that they're associated with Darth Sidious, we know that they're evil. But right. I mean, that's the only reason. Yeah. So. No, that's why it's kind of weird. It's like you see the, this this story and, and what's coming out right now, and as far as this scene, and you're like, how the how in the world is a you know a ten year old, a thirteen year old, whatever, yeah. going to wrap their head around that? You know, it's that's why it's like that's geared toward adults right there, or at least somebody who's has seen the first three episodes and, and knows what's going on as far as the uh, storyline about the Trade Federation and the Congress Guild and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, and I mean this. This might be a little bit, a little bit too political of me to say as well, but um, I feel like a lot of adults probably don't understand <laughs> what this means because I don't think that anybody really gets taught politics. Right. I mean, you get taught the the branches of the government and and that stuff, but no one ever sits down in in high school and teaches you this is how political dealings work. You know, you have to, everybody's expected to figure that stuff out on their own. And, uh, and I would guarantee that there's a lot of people my age, like, you know, 18 to to 25 that have no concept of, of this world, especially if they're, if they're on a career path that has nothing to do with politics and they've gone to school and they've studied stuff that has nothing to do with politics. I mean, if you went through and you got yourself an art degree or something like that, there's no reason why you would know why you would have any idea about this stuff. Unless you were a geek and you were into something like Star Wars, in which case it's actually almost required that you know some of this stuff in order to understand what's going on in the deeper yeah. stories. So, I mean, I, you know, you can thank Star Wars for that. So maybe it is a good thing that, that they put this in here. Because then it'll make people want to learn it, but it just doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> just doesn't it feels feel a little, just a little bit too yeah. too uh, right. political. It feels more Star Trek oh, than easy. it does. Watch that Star with harsh language. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, the, it's the double yeah, four letter yeah. word. <laughs> um, yeah. Senator Dodd intercepts Clovis and Amidala in the Grand Hall corridor outside the library. He presents them drinks to toast their new friendship. Dodd gives Padme a poison glass as the senators retire to the dining chambers. Meanwhile, at the skiff on the landing platform, an agitated Anakin waits impatiently for Padme's signal, with R2-D2 keeping him company. Now, I'm not sure why Padme is accepting anything from Lot Dodd considering their their history, especially something that that he's drinking and, here, have some of this, you know, like, uh, you couldn't see that. It's kind of, kind of weird, but. Well, it's not. It's not Lot Dodd that she's got the the uh, the grudge with, right? It's, uh, Newt, it's Gunray. Newt Gunray. There That's it is. His... Good job. Uh, it's Newt Gunray that that wants her head on a platter. So. Um. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. I can see uh, that. It's still. 
because because she works with lot Dodd in the Senate because he's a he's a representative on the Senate. So he says when they first meet that you know he he feels badly about the way that things right. have gone, and that he wants to work with her to to right those wrongs. And it might be a little bit naive of her to accept that at face right. value, especially once she does find out that they've got something to do with the separatists or whatever. Because she's she's found out at this point, hasn't she? Uh, she I would think so. Didn't she? Didn't she kind of realize as she walked in, like she kind of overheard? Yeah, I mean, them? I I couldn't tell. It was really yeah. unclear whether or not she heard them. Or whether or not they kind of, you know, like, shut up before she got there. Because you could see her, and Pago the Lesser was standing right there. And you'd think that, you know, like, the Geonosians have clearly picked a side. Very oh, clearly picked a yeah. side. So, Yeah, I would think you know, so. I and you speak know. of the uh, Geonosians, and I forgot to mention this, but um, we see Pago the Lesser for the first time, who's the Archduke of Geonosia, or Geonosia, Geonosis, and... Uh, as far as his vocals, I mean, they were right on with the Attack of the Clones. So they did excellent movie matching there with the uh, with the voice. So, um, not that that's a voice, but yeah. um, that's the first time we've. I think that's the first time we've seen him in this series, right? If I can. It's the first Geonosian yeah, that so, we've gotten. Um, yeah. Pretty good. Looked good right there on on that. I like the Geonosians because they're they they were obviously an excuse for uh, for a lightsaber to be used. <laughs> Because you know you can't use a lightsaber on on a whole bunch of yeah. people, but you can use them on stormtroopers. You can use them on clone troopers. You can use them on droids, and apparently you can use them on giant yeah. insects. Yeah. Because Anakin cuts that oh, one yeah. right in half in episode two, and then like kicks it over or whatever, and like runs through yeah. it. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently yeah. that's cool because they're just lightsaber fire. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after dinner, Padme begins to feel faint. C-3PO suggests she retire for the night, but Padme rallies her energies and agrees to a tour of the palace with Corvus. 3PO is dismissed and returns to Padme's quarters, where he encounters Anakin. The droid tells him of Padme's whereabouts and actions, which only worries Anakin more. As Clovis and Padme walk through the palace library, her head pounds and she feels weak. She asks Clovis to fetch her some water. As he disappears, Padme sneaks to the hologram projector she spotted earlier. The data contained within is password protected. After a few false guesses, Padme tumbles on the true password, her name. The display activates, revealing an enormous Geonosian droid factory. This is the evidence she sought. She signals R2-D2 while she ejects and palms the hologram disc. Display hologram. Passcode required. Scipio. Banking clan. Senator Clovis. Baron Rush Clovis. Rush. Padme? Passcode accepted. Tactical coordinates for Count Dooku's new droid foundry. And Clovis and the banking clan are behind it. The Jedi Council has to see this evidence. So Padme under, uh, undercovers um, what Clovis has been doing, and it looks like a new droid foundry is, is either finished or it's kind of in the process. Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to tell what was going on. It looked like it was done, 
and uh, she refers to it as Count Dooku's new droid foundry. So, kind of like the last episode, you know, where's Dooku at? You know, I wonder, you know, yeah. if they couldn't have put him in somewhere as being a part of this. You know, if this is his new foundry, um, you know, where is he? So, um, we get to see that, and we get to see uh, Padme try to figure out what the password is, and she finally figures it out that it's her name. Wow. I guess Clovis really does like her. Um, and she steals the disc, and uh, and we go on from there. Yeah. Clovis returns with a drink for Padme, and she carefully keeps the disc hidden behind her back. She throws her arms around Clovis to keep him from seeing her stolen prize. Anakin arrives to catch his wife in the embrace of a senator, but keeps quiet as he stealthily takes the disc from her hand. He returns to the star skiff and gives the data to R2-D2. Anakin orders R2 to take the data to the Jedi Council, and if he does not return, he is to, uh, to race back to the palace. So we actually get to see the only, this is, if you want to call this action, the only, well, the only Jedi-type thing that happened was Anakin force-pulling the uh, mm-hmm. disc to himself. So... Um, that's about all we get. We kind of see him come in, and he, and he kind of has this jealous look on his face, which we saw in the previews. But it turns out, um, you know, he basically finds out that hey, Padme is just kind of working out, working Clovis right now. She doesn't want to get caught. Yeah, he fig- he figures yeah, he it out pretty quickly, and uh, and I think I personally I think that's a mistake for the story because it gets rid of the conflict. Oh yeah, really quickly. Like that—that's kind of the natural. It might be a little bit cliche, but I feel like that's the natural place to take the story. And then they didn't do that. They—they they really didn't even right go now. anywhere near it. Um, Anakin's maybe a little bit. He doesn't like Clovis, but at no point does is there ever like they don't. You'd think like the guy's going to be Darth <laughs> Vader for goodness sake. Like yeah. he's got to punch yeah. him or something, you know? Like. I don't know. You see a little bit of his anger here, but it doesn't. Nothing happens. He controls it, and I think that's really against the character. It's we're talking Anakin yeah. Skywalker here, okay? He killed a, an entire like village of Sand people, including the children. defenseless yeah. women and children and their <laughs> animals. He like, went after he, everybody. He kills, if if you read the novelization, he kills everything yeah. in that camp. Including their dogs and their their pack animals, he kills it all, and it's not it, like it's not because he's mad at the at the sand people. It's because he gets taken over by the right. dark side, loses control, and kills every living yeah. thing. So this is the guy that we're talking about. Now, he's just lost his mother recently. I mean, like within the last yeah. year, because we're the oh, right, right. Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars only last three years, so we're only we've, we're only about a third into it. So it's only been about a year since he lost his mother. So that's obviously still a, a fresh wound. I mean, it would have to be. And so he's he puts a lot of his feelings onto Padme, which is what we see in Episode Three, and and he feels like he can't lose her. So to see her in the arms of this other guy. I really don't think Anakin would be the kind of guy that would wait five seconds to find out that there's something else going on. I feel like he would see that, jump in, take his lightsaber, and yeah. 
slice the guy <laughs> in half, you know? At least but, pull it out, you know? I figured he'd have that thing out and, hey, what's yeah. going on, you know? And uh, I thought he would have done that in the next couple of scenes that we're going to get to here in a second. Yeah. I, I really feel like he would have just killed Clovis, and then when Padme got mad, he would have been like, well, the guy's yeah. a Separatist. That's what I do. I kill Separatists. What do you think I'm out there fighting for? Yeah. How do you think I got this scar on my eye? Guess what? They tried to kill me. We don't know yet. They got that scar. We haven't haven't seen it. We'll see it in this series. I don't know. Well, it's already happened, so that's which is kind of odd considering. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. um, Clovis is surprised by Padme's display of affection. She, uh, let's see. She faints from the poison. Did I, re- did I read this? No. Okay. And Clovis no. carries her to her bedroom. Uh, he orders 3PO to fetch a medical droid. In the hallway outside the bedroom, Clovis confronts Lot Dodd. He knows Padme has been poisoned. Dodd correctly brands Amidala as a Republic spy. Clovis reluctantly faces the truth when he checks the hologram projector and finds the data stolen. Clovis returns to the bedroom and calls out Padme on her treachery. She vows loyalty to the Republic. Clovis is the one who has betrayed the Republic. She tells Clovis that the data is on its way to the Senate. Just then, Anakin arrives, spoiling for a fight. He orders Clovis to step away from the fading Padme. Let's see. Clovis... Uh generally cares for Padme's health. He helps Anakin take her back to her ship. They are intercepted by Lot Dodd. Clovis tries to bluff his way past the Nemoinian, but Dodd does not want her taken off planet. Clovis pulls a blaster and holds Dodd at gunpoint, demanding the antidote. What is going on, Clovis? I'm sorry, Lot. Senator Amidala is very ill, and we're taking her to her ship. If Senator Amidala is ill, she should not be moved. I have contacted the authorities on Naboo. They thought it best to take her back to Coruscant. The doctors there are better equipped. You cannot leave! Give me the antidote or you're dead. You'll pay for this. Give Clovis the antidote. So, hey, was that a Star Trek phaser that he pulled out? (laughs) (laughs) That's a oh, okay. Naboo pistol, kind of, or something. It looked more Star Trek, yeah. Than it Star looks kind of, like... yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. we get to see, uh, kind of, I guess, like you said earlier, that Clovis kind of really wasn't a traitor, but he was just kind of, you know, just trying to make some money, basically. And he kind of turns around here, yeah. and he's he's actually trying to save Padme. Um, you know, he he cares for. Her. So he's, I guess it looks like he's genuinely trying to get her out of here and help Anakin get her to safety. So, um, like you said, it, Clovis not necessarily a, a all-out bad guy. So he's trying to redeem himself a little bit here. So, Yeah, he, he does end up doing the right thing. But, uh, but, I mean, when it comes down to it, he is still not one of the good guys because he is helping to fund... <laughs> you know these droid armies, which are, which are taking over planets right. and killing people, and you know enslaving people and that sort of thing. But the, I think the biggest thing is that, that you have to remember in Star Wars in the prequels is that the Separatists 
although they're the ones who start the war, they're not they're not fighting for the reason that we know they're fighting because we know that they're fighting because because the Sith right. are essentially making them and because the Sith want the Jedi weakened over, so right. that they can take over, right? That's that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason why there was a Clone War. But the the Separatists are fighting for their own reasons. They believe that the Senate's ineffective and that they need a new government and that, I mean, what their, their ideal is flawed because they think that people with money should be the ones in charge, which is... Uh, trying to remember the name of the, the type of government that is i can't think of it right now but it's a it's like it's like the aristocracy being in charge yeah. um and and obviously that is the trade federation and the banking clan and the, the, the techno union and yeah and all these like the 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 five corporations that start the separatist movement and then they get other plans to join them planets to join them so um, although they're the bad guys from our perspective and, and, you know, they need to be fought, that's only because we find out that Dooku is a Sith and then the Jedi know that it's a Sith leading the, uh, Separatist, right? the Separatists. But that it's, it's, it's a very odd thing because I don't think that the Republic in general knows... That that the Sith are the ones behind the war, and I don't think that even the the Separatists no. in general know that it's the Sith that are pulling the strings. People see Count Dooku, Count Dooku, yeah, as Count Dooku. That's why everybody calls him Dooku right. and not Tyrannus. The only person who even ever calls him Tyrannus is is in the movies is uh, Jango Fett, right. who calls him. He says, "I was hired." And he by doesn't a man even call him Darth. Tyrannus. He calls him Lord. Yeah, yeah, he he Tyrannus, just calls yeah. him Tyrannus, right? So, yeah, like I, nobody knows that it's the Sith that are pulling the strings. So, the Separatists don't realize that they're fighting for evil, essentially, because the Sith is evil. And then, I mean, it it gets ridiculous to the point that when when the Emperor takes over, he comes right out as like looking like a creepy evil Sith Lord demon guy, yeah. and people are cool with it. Because he lies to them, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. wow. Um, continue. Anakin takes Padme back to her ship. Clovis asks Anakin for the disc back, but Anakin coldly refuses, leaving Clovis behind to face the Nemonians. As the Naboo starskiff takes off, Anakin administers the antidote to Padme. Her mission was a success. With the holographic evidence, the Jedi can now move against the new droid foundry. Padme nonetheless regrets making Anakin doubt her, but he admits no doubt. I'm sorry. What for? We got away and we have the hologram. The Jedi will use that information to destroy Count Dooku's foundry. Your mission was a success. But I made you doubt me. Never. Clovis, we need to talk. So there we get the end of it. Uh, I don't really know what happens to uh, Clovis. Basically, he's facing off against Lot, Dodd, and some uh, battle droids. So I guess it's kind of left up to us what happens to him. Uh, so overall, yeah. 
um, we've already kind of touched on this. You know, it wasn't our favorite episode, basically. Um, you probably didn't like it as much as... I mean, I, I'm not saying it was the greatest. I mean, I thought it was okay. We get to see some of the political inter- intricacies of the conflict and all that. And one thing that is interesting, and I didn't even realize this until afterwards, was there was no blaster shots, no lightsabers, and no explosions. So it was all basically just about this one little story about uh, you know the droid foundry and Anakin and Padme so you know obviously they were trying to do this they were trying to go totally the other side of 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 the war and what's going on Um, like I said the only thing we really saw that was Jedi related was the force pull by Anakin so um, and this was obviously a uh, from hearing Dave Filoni's commentary that this is something that they were trying to do. They were trying to keep blaster shots out of it. They were trying to keep lightsabers and explosions out of it and just focus on this one little story with with Anakin and Padme and Clovis. So, you know, some people are obviously not going to like it and some people are going to think it's okay. Um, but I just thought it was okay. Like you said, it w- didn't really grip me like the first three ones. Um, three did, so... I know you kind of felt the same way as well. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we got off to such a great start with right. the first few episodes, particularly with Children of the Force, which is one of the best episodes right. of the entire series. And that's not just an opinion that's held at front lines. I mean, the guys over the Force cast, if you listen to their podcast, they're saying the same thing. If you go to any Star Wars fan site, the, the, the word around the internet is pretty much the same thing, that everybody thinks that it's one of the best episodes they've ever done. And uh, and then to come off of that to such a great episode, to such a, a, a flat episode and such a, a boring episode where nothing really happens, I mean, let's let's sort of break it down into what actually happens for the story. We find out that the bad guys are, in <laughs> fact, the bad guys. Yeah. That's all that happens. That's all that we learn in this episode. We find out that there's a droid factory being built, but, I mean, they already suspected this. So, really, all we find out as as viewers is that the bad guys are the bad guys and that Anakin and Padme are... We already knew that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, like, so, so it's like, this is just an episode that, for yeah, me, serves almost no like a purpose. filler episode, you know. Other than... Yeah, it really does feel like filler. And then, like, it really just are an excuse to get into the next storyline. And the next storyline is this right. second battle of Geonosis. Um, which which looks to be a really cool episode. I mean, we'll talk about that after we okay. do the mailbag and the forum post. Uh, but but the clip that, that that's circulating the internet right now of, of the next episode, uh, it it's definitely oh, yeah. looks like it's a return to form. Hopefully, it's what I've been asking for, and it's an episode about uh-huh. Obi Wan. You haven't seen one yet, yeah? Just Obi Wan, not Obi Wan, and so and so. Obi Wan and this guy, and Obi Wan and this guy, because everyone has been Obi. I mean, the nearest that we got was the second episode of the Ryloth trilogy, but we focused way more on the clone troopers in that yeah. episode than we did on Obi Wan. Now, like, I'm not complaining. That's a really good episode. But 
I want a story that is yeah. that's open. I think we're due for one. You know, like like yeah. through and through. Yeah, because uh, obviously he's my favorite. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. No, we do. So, so I, you know, he hasn't gotten he hasn't really gotten his his moment to shine yet. I feel oh, like yeah. he's going to later this season. But, anyways, All let's right. let's get into the mailbag. Let's uh let's leave that terrible <laughs> train wreck that was Senate spy. Yeah, but you know what thing about train wrecks, man? Everybody's got to look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't help. Okay, um, looks like we got two here. Uh, uh, the first one yeah. is from Sebastian Ignat, and it says, uh, "This is about the preview or before viewing the new episode. I believe that the conspiracy will lead to Padme finding out about the droid foundries being reactivated on Geonosis, and statement of ten planetary defense defense forces activate." active and another battle of geonosis the clone wars have been getting better with time and more can be accomplished so i think we did find that out that we're going to have uh, geonosis in the next episode and this is kind of like the beginning of maybe a multi-part story um so they act yeah. i don't know if they reactivated but they built looks like a whole new droid foundry and uh we're going to see or hear a little bit about that in the next in a clip in a few minutes, but uh, I think Sebastian's pretty much right on it as we talked about um, the new yeah. drug foundry, and we're going to go back to Geonosis. So, yeah, I'm really yeah, excited definitely. to go back to Geonosis and see what it's like in in this series, and uh, and definitely definitely to see some of the visual right. callbacks to Episode Two because I because uh, I got another email. That uh, that was a really good email, but it was it was intensely too long to read on the show. Um, so if you're wondering, I can't remember the name of the person who wrote the email, but if you're wondering why your email didn't get written, didn't get read, it's because it was three gigantic paragraphs, and it would have made the show an extra half an hour longer. So uh, I mean, like it was a great email. He he wrote a lot of really good, insightful stuff. So I mean, I'm not saying to anybody, don't send me big long emails. But if you send, if you send me an email that isn't in, like that is essentially an article, I, I'm not. We're not going to read it on the air because unless, you know, we don't have anything to talk about. But uh, but that is very. So I mean, I didn't even like this oh, episode, yeah. and we talked longer than yeah. normal. So, um, yeah, but I. Uh, but yeah, other people are, are excited to to go back to Geonosis and see that, see oh, yeah. a new battle on Geonosis, to to go back there and and see those same visuals that we got in, the, yep. in episode two. So I'm I'm really excited for it. Okay, so second mail is from Peter, and he says, "Hi, you guys. I saw both episodes of season two, and I loved it way better than what I expected it to be." Also, I loved it when they were fighting and there wasn't any gravity. And Admiral Yolaren was hilarious. Do you think the re- that the rest of Season 2 will be better? Uh, so, I mean, this this was an email. Uh, he kind of got this in right before we did the last episode. So he had just seen the first two episodes of Season 2. Um, that's from Peter. Uh, and, uh, and so he's asking if the rest of Season 2 is going to be better and uh i can say yes and <laughs> well, after this episode <laughs> uh children of the force was definitely better and then this right. one was definitely not but uh but you know coming up you know, 
the next episode it will will probably in my eyes be amazingly cool if only for the fact that it's being compared Senate spy, to yeah. Senate Spy. Which doesn't even have that great of a title. You know? The episode title. You sent me the an email or something like that uh, with with that in it and I was like Senate Spy can is that is that seriously the title? Because that it's not really a title. Yeah. That's just you know what it's about. Yeah. There's no art in that title. Is it? It's Senate Spy. Yeah. Like wow, even the title's boring. <laughs> seriously, come guys, on. come on. Uh-oh, Dave Filoni, I'm calling you out. Oh, guys, drop on the ball. No, I'm just <laughs> I don't think that he was. Gonna... Yeah, no, I thought. Uh... <laughs> He talks a little bit. Peter talks about uh, Admiral Yavarin, and, and we did mention that a few times last week that uh, we like yeah. his interaction with Anakin and some of the things that Anakin does does yes. seem to uh, frustrate Yavarin. So, yeah, Yavarin yeah, is great. Here. I think he's a really cool character. Uh, so that we're going to go to the forum post of the week, and uh, this was posted by Darth Creel, and uh, it's kind of a heavy subject. As far as uh, there's not been a lot of comments, but uh, the, t- the post subject is the will of the force. And he says, uh, Michael made a comment that it was strange that Yoda was able to know there was going to be an attack on the temple, but not know where during the episode of Holocron Heist. But I think you have to remember that the force has a will of its own and it doesn't take sides. There are plenty of references uh, in the movies to the force basically having a mind of its own. There's episode one when Gwygon is talking uh, about midichlorians telling us that the will of the force and episode four when obi-wan is explaining uh how the force can control your actions just wondering if anyone had thoughts on that the force will reveal what the force will reveal so um you know you get kind of a a different take i kind of a different take on this because when i first started the with the star wars and then empire and return of the jedi all we knew was the force was um, it penetrated you, it surrounds you, it binds you. Um, there was no talk of midichlorians until episode uh, one. Yeah. So we know that um, the force basically there's a light side and a dark side. And um, uh, Darth Creel mentioned something about how Yoda was able to know um, there was going to be an attack, but he didn't know where. So. Um, yeah, we might have touched on this on the last episode, um, but as as we get through these uh, Clone Wars, uh, Yoda in Attack of the Clones says that the dark side is is a shroud coming. So I took that as um, you know the Jedi are not able to see what maybe they used to be able to see, um, and it takes yeah. them all binding together at some points, like we saw in the last episode, for them to actually see anything or see anything that they can use um, to help them out. So that's kind of what, I, what I've been noticing uh, along with this is, like I said, the, the shroud has fallen and, and the dark side is clouding a lot of stuff. So Jedi aren't able to see um, maybe somebody... You know, like Yoda here, he could find. He knows that something's going on in the temple, but he just can't really figure out what's going on or where exactly it's going to happen. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, if they were able to do that, n- you know, nothing would ever happen. You know, so I don't know. You probably have a different take on, on the will of the force in this in this post. What what do you think? 
well, I mean, I've I, I read a book a little while ago uh, all about the philosophy behind Star Wars, and uh, and and it's a, it's a, it's actually called the philosophy of Star Wars, uh, and um, and it goes into a lot of this stuff, a lot of of how the Force works as from a philosophical standpoint and uh, and as a religion and all that sort of thing um and it's a but it, it never really gets into the fact that the the force has its own will and i think that that's that's it's it's a tricky area to go into because when you start to think of it that way the force stops being the force and right. it starts being god and that's a different concept so Although I, I'm I'm inclined to agree a little bit with what he's saying, I don't think that the Force would choose to not show right. them something. I think that it like that the Force could be bent in such a way that they would not be able to see that they'd be blinded, or that because of what Yoda says in Empire that uh, that the the future is always in motion, that. Although he can he can sense that that there's going to be an attack on the temple, essentially, he can't sense where it's happening or what's what the specifics are. And I understand that, but it's it, it seemed right. very convenient that Yoda was like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure someone's going to try and break into the temple." I think if he would have said something like, "I feel a threat to the better. Jedi Temple." I would have been like, okay, so put everybody on high alert and, you know, like, be careful for anybody that looks suspicious, uh, you know, like, monitor incoming ships and that sort of thing. But to say specifically that I feel like someone's going to break into the Jedi Temple for some reason and then not to be able to say where they're going or where they're breaking in from was a little bit... Against again, it's it's a little bit, uh, sort of yeah. contrived. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna use that word again. Um, like it's just they write it in there, and they don't. I feel like they haven't really thought that through in in the way that they that they word it and the way that like I don't have a problem with the idea of Yoda not knowing. I have a, a problem with with it being that specific, but not quite specific enough. Like it's really convenient that he knows someone's going to break in, but that he doesn't know where they're going to break in, you know? So I don't know. That's, that's my opinion on that. But I mean, like I, I'm inclined to agree that the force does to a certain degree have a will of its own and it, it wants these things to happen, but I don't think it, that it's to the the degree that it has its own personality or that it has its own I mean I even say that it that it wants things to happen well it's like I, uh, in episode one I mean I think maybe was it you and I that talked about uh, midichlorians or not the midichlorians but um, Anakin was according to Gwygon kind of conceived not conceived but is that the right word I'm trying to use here about the midichlorians and anakin and darth plagius or darth uh, sidious yeah yeah and that he was force. conceived through uh, the force by the midichlorians and, uh, yeah so i mean wow you know you get into that i mean like i said from the first um trilogy it was kind of 
pretty easy to figure out what the force was. And then you get into episode one, and they bring in all the yeah. midichlorians, and all of a sudden I'm cross-eyed, you know. <laughs> it's like, whoo, this is getting pretty deep yeah. now, you know. It's like, you know, this is a this is a broad topic, and, and you can really deep. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like uh, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not. It's kind of like the, yeah. the Matrix trilogy, where you got the first Matrix movie, uh, but I mean, like it's it's the Matrix movies have a very similar effect that the prequels had on on Star Wars, but it was because Star Wars had already done it. It was in a much tighter space. It's like Star Wars comes along, it does something first, and then everybody just copies it. Right. But they do it quicker, so. The Matrix comes along. The first movie was mind-blowing, and you're sitting there going, holy crap, my entire perception of things has changed. Uh, you know, you start thinking about, about all these different possibilities and, and that sort of thing. And then the second movie comes out, and it tries to explain it, right. and it tries to give you the reasons. And they have that scene at the end of the second movie with the architect who starts explaining what the Matrix oh, is man. and who Neo is and what the One is and how that works and that there's computer programs that are like gods, but they're not gods because they're just <laughs> computer programs. And it gets to the point that you're just like, you know what? I liked it a lot yeah, better when yeah, I had no I, idea what yeah. was going on. When it was mysterious. And, and here we come back to the, the mystery thing. It's the same as Boba Fett. Leave yeah, a little bit mystery. to the imagination and people yeah. will be a lot happier. You know, it's that it's it's the it's the the show business rule of always leaving wanting more, you know, and I feel like by the end of the prequels, you yeah. aren't left wanting. more. You're left with uh, I don't know if I would call it a satisfying feeling at the end, because some people were not necessarily satisfied with the prequels, but at least in in story terms, right. everything happened. Yeah. What happened happened. You know, we started with Anakin and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon in episode one. And by the end of it, we have Luke and Leia. And Padme's dead. And Anakin is Darth Vader. And Yoda and Obi-Wan go into exile. And they're the last Jedi that we know about. Because all of those other Jedi that we were introduced to and that we got to know, we saw them die on screen. You know, so it wraps itself up nicely. But maybe it shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like, it was better when the Clone Wars were something that you were going out in your backyard with your friends and reenacting with your three and three quarter <laughs> yeah, figures. You know what I mean? Like, when you were making it up for yourself. Not to say that I don't love this show, because I love the show and I love the prequels and I think that they're great movies. I'm just saying that that mystique and the mystery that we had around the Force and the Jedi, and it's like I was saying a couple of episodes ago that lightsabers aren't special anymore. You know, lightsabers used to be really cool and really special. Now lightsabers are just lightsabers. Everybody knows what one is and we see them all the time. You know, I mean, for goodness sake, we've even got our own lightsabers, like a pretty close facsimile in the force effects lightsabers in in the real world, you know? So, I mean, yeah. How much, how much mystery can be left to a lightsaber and how it feels to wield one when you have a representation of one in the physical world. You that's know? why they did. Uh, that's so, why they did the episode Seven Spies, so we can take a break from all that, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, I'll be yeah, happy like, to wow, see a lightsaber next week. Um, speaking of uh, the next episode, I guess we'll get into the upcoming. Well, we really yes. don't have a description, so um, let's go ahead and uh, listen to 
uh, about a 30 second preview of the episode titled Landing at Point Rain. So we go from Senate Spy to right back into the battle, and I know you're going to be happy about that, Mike, because we get yeah, uh, Obi Wan. Yeah. I don't. You haven't seen the clip, right? Oh, you have. Seen- I have seen the clip. Okay, I okay, saw good. it just so before we started. You kind of yeah. saw what was going on, and uh, we're back on Geonosis, like uh, we said earlier, and right back in the battle, and we're going against the Geonosians, and it looks like uh, we get to see some clones and we're seeing uh obi-wan um in the thick of battle so we're looking for a and cody and, yes. and commander yes. cody looking very good so, so yeah, very cool. actually um it's not until looks like november 6th is the next time we're um seeing a new episode uh, i don't know if you caught that you didn't know that i did not catch that that's yeah, that's no. totally news to me. So there's no episode, we're actually there's no episode on the no, on I the twenty third uh, or the thirtieth. Well, at, at the end of this <clears throat> sentence, by uh, it says new Clone Wars returning on November sixth. So it looks like only four episodes in, and we already have a, a break. Um, so actually, wow. I didn't even know you knew. Uh, I didn't know that. So. No, I did not. That's that's totally news to me. I mean, I should have expected it because we have the 30th uh, is going to be the Friday before Halloween. So um, I would expect that, that something like that would happen because Cartoon Network tends to do – they go pretty all out right, when yeah. it's time for Halloween. Taking like the Halloween break and then so, we'll get the – I don't know. They'll probably do a Thanksgiving yeah. break and a Christmas break maybe. Um, I can't remember what they did last year. I know they – Took a few weeks off here and there, so there were there were a couple of breaks in there, but I don't yeah. think we got one. That's kind of surprising. I saw that. Like, oh, really? Wow! Well, now I feel even <laughs> you worse. Wait, now I feel even gotta... worse about because now I got to have that like in the pit of my stomach yeah, for yeah. two weeks. Ugh! I, I'm gonna. You know what? The second that I get off of here, I'm gonna go watch. <laughs> well, that's Children what I was gonna bring up. And then I'm going to follow it up with Trespass. Yeah. I'll watch yeah Trespass I right that, after that. Of all places to take a break, and they wanted to take a break on one that has no action or anything in it. No wonder there's yeah. no preview. That's there's why no it's, that's all we really this, have but, for a preview. So, yeah, we're dying. We're going to be dying for yeah. that in a couple of weeks. So, Definitely. Definitely. I mean, with the way that the season's been going, with the exception of Senate Spy. To take a two-week break is going to be really hard, really, really difficult. Because I am so into this show right now. You know, it would be better, would be more into it if I could, you know, actually get a live broadcast of it yeah. when it's supposed to be airing. But maybe this two weeks will allow me to uh, allow Teletoon to get caught up. So maybe I'll be, uh, I'll be synced back up with you guys yeah, when nice. we come back on November sixth. So I don't know what we'll do. Uh... 
I guess we'll take a break. I don't know. I might get to itch and and uh, throw something up there, but we can talk about that another time. I'm not. I'm not trying to yeah, pressure you in anything, of course. <laughs> no, dude, they're not going to put me on the spot. You know what? You know what? It's it's probably a good idea yeah. that that we take a little bit of a break. Uh, but that's yeah. uh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, um, I, so I guess that we we will see you guys if we don't hear if you guys don't hear from us between now and then. Uh, you know, we'll be back after the next new episode yeah. uh, after November sixth, following that one. So, so, uh, but you know what? It gives me it gives me two weeks to put some other things in motion. If you've been following us on Twitter, which you can follow us on Twitter at uh, our username is Clone Wars. Uh, you may have heard about some exciting new stuff. Um, and two weeks gives me a little bit of time to maybe go in there and do a new version hey, of the website hey. to finish that up. So um, maybe when we come back, we'll have some big news around that and some other things. So until then, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to head over to the website. Check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. Uh, like I said, follow us on Twitter name, username Clone Wars. Uh, head over to Facebook to join our group. I just gave the Facebook group a, uh, a username. So it's as easy as just putting in Facebook.com and... Uh, slash. Oh, shoot. I need to double check this. I'm slash pretty Clone sure Wars. that I got slash Clone Wars. Uh, let me check it. I'm just going to... Facebook.com slash Clone Wars. And I... Pretty sure. Oh, maybe that's not. It's us. front lines. Maybe front lines is us. Yeah. Try front lines. Is it front lines? Nope, that's not us. That's something else entirely. Don't go front lines. That's another thing. Uh... Isn't that front lines? Clone <laughs> sorry, Wars everybody. This is. Sorry, it's Clone Wars podcast. That's what I ended okay. up getting. I got Clone Wars podcast. So if you go facebook.com slash Clone Wars podcast, which is essentially the same as our uh, URL, as, as the website address, so uh, you can go directly to the Facebook fan page there. Um, and, uh, and as always, don't forget to join us at, on the Geek Out Loud forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. So uh, with that, I guess, uh, I guess I'll just say... Uh, We will catch you guys later, and may the Force be with you.